0: Fantastic in the morning, and Christmas is fantastic in the evening. But Christmas is her most fantastic.
1: Welcome to episode 169 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. Merry Christmas to you and yours, and thank you for joining us for the 2016 AFTN Christmas Podcast Special. As with previous years, we're going to bring you a little bit of festive fun, talking to some of the Whitecaps players about Christmas things, and we're also going to hear a little bit not Christmas-related, well, kind of, we're going to kind of tie it in, from four of the Canadian Women's National Team players as well. A little bit of fun, a little bit of chat, and of course, no Christmas podcast would be complete without some Christmas music as well, so we're going to bring you some of that. But let's get going right away, and one of the things which we kind of touched upon last year was the fact that over here in Canada... And in North America, you don't have the, the Christmas football fixtures, the, the festive fixtures where you can play four games in like 10 days or something crazy like that. It's just a, a staple of Christmas over in the UK. Something I miss being over here is, is not getting out to my Boxing Day games, getting out to New Year's Eve, New Year's Day games. But obviously as a player, if you're a UK player or a UK coach being over here, it's the complete opposite. And instead of, of having to kind of maybe watch what you eat on Christmas Day and have to get up and out the house and leave your family on Boxing Day, you, you get to spend more time with your family here at home. But do they like that? Well, we asked a few of the guys with UK connections. Do they like the Boxing Day fixtures? The ones that maybe aren't going to play anything this year, are they going to miss it? And just what is some of their favourite Boxing Day experiences from years past? As a player, as a fan as an adult or as a kid so we're going to kick things off with Fraser Aird now obviously we spoke to Fraser before he headed back to Rangers and he's going to be part of the the festive period over in Rangers this year so let's hear some of Fraser's thoughts but he's going to talk a little bit about being a player at Rangers but also being a fan with his family back here in Canada when the festive fixtures come around So, like, the Christmas and New Year fixtures, it's a big thing in the UK, especially in Scotland. This year, obviously, Hogmanay, you've got Ranger Celtic, which is going to be intense and possibly crazy in Glasgow as well that day. It could be chaos. Um, what's your favourite memories of any Christmas, New Year, festive fixtures that you've had? Um, Player or fans?
0: I couldn't tell you the exact date. I
2: want to say it's 20 20 something. Um, I scored
1: my first goal for Rangers. I know it was around the Christmas period because my... uh, Actually, it might have been after Christmas, before New Year, I scored my first goal because I remember my girlfriend was in the Ibrook's bar in Tenerife at the time with her family. (laughs) Um, So I know it was definitely around Christmas time. That was probably one of my favourite memories, um, obviously, for me as a player. Um, But obviously, Rangers always used to play the 1st of January, the 2nd of January um, back in the day um, against Celtic. So I always remember going to watch the games with my, my dad, brother and cousin and grandpa and that, go to the Rangers supporters club and watch it around the the Christmas time and New Year time because also we were off school, so we were allowed to get up early and go and watch it. So, no, that's probably the best one the Rangers games used to be against Celtic, 1st uh, of January. That's great. Thanks so much. For Fraser here there talking about his love for Rangers, his love for the festive period and, and watching Rangers play games. And of course, as he mentioned there, it holds a special place for him because he, he scored his first Rangers goal during that period. He's back in the UK just now. Hasn't featured with Rangers since returning there. Maybe a kind of worrying side that when you go into the Rangers website, there also isn't actually a picture of him. It's just a kind of blank silhouette. So what his features going to be like at Rangers? We don't know. You have to fear that he's gone back there and he's maybe not going to break into the Rangers first team. So getting released, or maybe a new loan deal might get announced come the new year. It's going to be over in Glasgow for the big Rangers and Celtic game, which is going to be on Hogmanay this year. Chaotic time to have a game like that. Absolutely crazy, in my opinion, that you're the drunkest day of the year in Scotland. And I'd take some doing, but the drunkest day of the year in Scotland. And you're having the most powder keg game that's going to be played in Glasgow. Recipe for Disaster... You've already got players like Scott Sinclair talking about the hatred of the whole fixture. I don't know, let's see how that plays out. We don't think Fraser will be part of it. He wasn't part of the Rangers team for the Christmas Eve fixture. So let's see what happens. We wish Fraser all the best anyway in his future endeavours, wherever that may take him. And another Canadian international that has a lot of experience of festive fixtures, Boxing Day games, is David Edgar. And he's another player that has a lot of special memories, both as a player and as a fan of those festive fixtures and Boxing Day games, New Year Day games. So let's hear David Edgar's take on, is he going to miss it? Is it going to be a bit weird for him being over here this year not taking part? And just some of his special festive memories. Like You've played, obviously, over the Christmas, New
3: Year period mm. in England. Yeah. It's a time I love. It's yeah, like yeah.
1: great fixtures. You yeah. Is it weird not having that this it's year? It's going
3: to be strange. I was actually just telling my wife the other day it's going to be strange because it's traditionally in England is. I mean, I remember going. Never mind playing them. I remember going with my dad when we were there for for Christmas and watching Newcastle, the old St James's, on New Year's Day and Boxing Day. So, it, it it's an unbelievable time. I mean, you're, you're the same. It's an unbelievable time at Christmas for football. So I'm, it's going to be different. But it, it'll be nice to have a break. I haven't had a Christmas at home since I was fourteen. So. Wow. It'd, be, yeah. it'd be nice to be at home with the family.
1: I was going to ask, what's your favourite memory of those like Christmas and New Year fixtures?
3: Yeah, it was uh, New Year's Day. New, I think Newcastle played Coventry. It was the old St James's Park, so we were sat like in the in the Gallagher at end with my dad when it was just standing, you know, the poles yeah. to lean on. And my dad wangled some tickets into the players' lounge after. We, I remember this this old um, this Geordie fellow was said Newcastle were getting beaten. I think he said if Newcastle win. I'll give you my top, and bear in mind it's New Year's Day in uh, in Newcastle. wasn't very warm. It's true to his word. Newcastle won. I think Peter Beardsley scored two, and uh, gave me his top and walked home with no top on. I still got the top. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much. No problem. Cheers. 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 Cheers.
1: So David Edgar there, and not only is it going to be a a bit weird for him not playing uh, in the festive period. This year after being in the UK since he was 14. He's also had that horrible injury where he's hurt his knee in a hit and run incident when he was down in the States. Got to wish him all the best. Haven't heard exactly how bad it is, but we wish him all the best. Hopefully he's going to be back in the training pitch soon. It's not going to be too bad an injury and he's going to be all ready to go for first kick. But we also hope be enjoys his first Christmas with his family here in Vancouver. His first Christmas for a long, long time not playing any games. Just rest up, take it easy David, and we'll see you back in the pitch soon. Now in last year's Christmas special we kind of kicked off the whole Boxing Day chat with Robble and we, we asked him just whether he found it weird being back here. And like David Edgar, yeah, he, he finds it weird not playing it and he does miss it. So we had another chat with him about that as well. He made some comments about what, what David Edgar and Fraser Ayre had told us, and we also kind of asked him for any special memories, just as a fan, as a player, just what the Boxing Day games meant to him growing up. So here's Robbo. so obviously as a player for years over uh, in England and Wales you're used to playing over the Christmas period what's it like now not playing over the Christmas in New year
4: weird very weird I haven't done it for the last maybe 10 years since I've been here but from from a player perspective it's I know Ed Edgar's said to me "He'll it'll be his first Christmas that he has off yeah since he was 14 I think um, I but he'll enjoy a Christmas lunch and a mince pie and he'll be able to get, be able to get some time to spend with his his, his wife and his, his small daughter so it's great in that respect um, but when Boxing Day fixtures come out whether you're involved playing or you're not you're always watching it and glued to the TV so I'm sure it'll still be in his blood that he'll be watching Sky Sports News, as I do. Same with Fraser. Fraser will go back from his loan and he'll be straight back into training with Rangers, so he might not even have Christmas off. Yeah. So I don't know what he's talking about.
1: What's your What's your favourite memory then, as a player or as a, a fan, as a boy, of the Christmas New Year fixtures?
4: Well, I think it's you always used to have a number of fixtures. The 23rd of December, the 26th of December, then sometimes you'd play on the 28th and you'd play on New Year's Day yeah. and it was four games in literally eight or nine days 10 days so it, it makes me laugh a little bit how some you know you got to include the travel here but when you have to play saturday wednesday saturday um some players aren't able to do it and we used to play four games in literally nine days so it's what you're used to doing uh, in england it is now they've become a little bit smarter and they talked about off-season breaks crisp winter breaks and i think they do it in some countries which is important because you need to get players rest at certain times and with major championships every two years and obviously Central South Americans playing in different competitions and players very rarely are able to get a rest and rest is as important as a training day.
1: So Robbo there. And if you listened to our last podcast, episode 168, where we had our fourth annual end of season State of the Whitecaps chat with Robbo, he mentioned that he was over in the UK. We, we spoke to him by telephone when he was travelling back from one of the games that he'd seen, Man City Arsenal. But he told us in that podcast that he's over in the UK, spend some time with his family, but he's also there to do a bit of scouting and he's going to take in a couple of games over the Boxing Day period. He wouldn't tell us what those games were, a little bit of speculation that he might be going to go and watch Burnley with an eye to hopefully maybe bring in Scott Arfield, tempting him away from Turf Moor, bringing him over to Canada and into the Whitecaps organisation. And Arfield is a player that we talked to Robo about after training one day, uh, months ago really, kind of put it to him for there. would that be the kind of player that would interest him? Because I'd noticed that he wasn't featuring as a, as a regular a lot with the Burnley team, and we'd, we'd heard kind of murmurs that he'd not fallen out with his manager, but the, the manager wasn't overly happy that Arfield had been going away with a couple of Canadian camps and friendly camps as well, so not actually meaningful games. So it was a little bit of punishment for him for, for leaving the Burnley setup to go and do that. Would that be enough to kind of tempt Arfield to leave the bright lights of the Premiership to come to MLS? Hey, who knows? Lots of rumours kicking around. Arfield was one of three players that Robbo was rumoured to be after to kind of play a box-to-box midfielder-type role beside Laba. There was him, Janino, and Louis Gill. Janino just joined Chicago, so you can roll him out. Is Arfield one of the guys? Is Burnley one of the games that Robbo's going to be watching over the Christmas period? Stay tuned. We'll find out soon. So enough chat for now. Let's get to some Christmas music, because no Christmas podcast is complete without some special Christmas music. And as regular listeners and readers will know, music and football go hand in hand here at AFTN. We love our football-related music in particular, so we kind of scoured our collection to see if we could find any special Christmas football-related tunes that we hadn't used before. So whereas lots of football clubs have recorded records for occasions like FA Cup finals or special moments in the club history or just some records that they want to release, which we brought you in our Wavelength podcast many, many moons ago, definitely need to do a second one of those soon. Finding clubs or players that have done Christmas related music, though, is a little bit harder and it only threw up a a couple of things. Former Liverpool player Emlyn Hughes did a, a Christmas song with a, a UK gymnast called Suzanne Dando and a choir. That was not worth putting on. That was that was hard listening. Let's just say Emlyn Hughes was a way, way better player than he was a singer. And he wasn't that good a player. Well, he was, I guess, back in the day. But what we did find for you is another really, let's be honest, god-awful song. It was from 1981 and it featured Spurs player and future England manager Glenn Hoddle, backed by the 1981-1982 Spurs squad, doing a very unique stroke special out-of-tune take on John Lennon's classic Christmas song Merry Christmas, War Is Over. Let's bring you that now. Well, let's hope your ears have recovered from that. Let's just say that Glenn Hoddle and the rest of Spurs' team should definitely stick to playing football. There was a lot better Spurs songs that came out during that time. They they did their famous Aussies on his way to Wembley, which is just one of the, the most classic football songs from the 80s when all these clubs were releasing FA Cup final videos. But as I mentioned, there, there's not a ton of football-related records with a Christmas theme out there which is a little surprising because there's always been a lot of football chants with a kind of Christmas theme out there. There's the famous Jingle Bells one, Eric Cantona, 12 Days of Christmas at Man United, and I'm just going to play a little bit now. This is my favourite Christmas-themed football chant of the moment. It's been on the go for a couple of years, actually. It's by the Celtic fans, and this is their version of Wham's Last Christmas. Have a listen. Great stuff there, we we'll have to try and get that to catch on at BC Place. My favourite one has always been one which we sang at East Fife, which was Away in a Manger. It's like, away in a Manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus stood up and he said, Ooh, too, ooh, to be, ooh, to be a fifer. Another one we should get to catch on amongst the white cap support. Anyway, moving on and back to some chat. So, as we mentioned there, Glen Hoddle became a future England manager. And it would be interesting to see back in the day, back in the 80s and the 90s, if MLS was kind of the league that it is now, how many UK managers would be tempted to go over? Now, there's been a few in MLS over the years. Toronto FC's had their fair share of UK managers in their time, starting off, of course, with the disaster that was former Scotland international Mo Johnson's tenure at the club. He was succeeded by an English guy, John Carver. And then when that didn't work out, he was, in the interim anyway, succeeded by another English manager, Chris Cummins. Then they kind of steered away from that for a bit before returning to Paul Mariner, which went disastrously wrong. So that's maybe not a good example to use for UK managers. At the Whitecaps, of course, we had Martin Rainey. We currently have Carol Robinson. And he has uh, an all-UK backroom staff, Gordon Forrest and Martin Peart as his assistant. And with Marius Rofda leaving, the latest rumours are that former Celtic goalkeeper Stuart Kerr is going to be joining the Whitecaps from Orlando City as goalkeeper coach. Adrian Heath's kicked around at Orlando and he's back in the league at the moment for the coming season. Owen Coyle had a very inauspicious time at Houston. He's back over in the UK now with Blackburn Rovers. But while there's been a, a number of UK players, some more successful than others, most of them not really that successful, coming over to MLS in recent years, you're not really seeing a kinda swath of UK managers coming over. Is that something that's maybe gonna change? Is it a unique system coming over to the to major league soccer? It's something we spoke to Rob about earlier in the year and it, it was for a feature that we were we were gonna do. For- We've still got that on the back burner. We never actually used any of the audio at the time. Spoke to Owen Coyle. We spoke to the Craig Carroll who was at Minnesota. But we also spoke to Robbo. So here's Robbo's take on just UK managers in MLS, how hard it is to make the transition and just why more managers don't come over to MLS from the UK. Here's Robbo. A lot of UK players come over here, yeah. but it's not a lot of managers come over. No, what do you think's behind it? Is it just harder with
4: the, all the rules to get used to managing? Uh, yeah, I, I generally do think it is that. Um, you know, it, it's not easy understanding the rules because the rules are very difficult with the the cans and the can'ts, uh, the systems. You know, the salary caps, the number of players you're allowed or not allowed, the trade system. So it's not easy, I, I don't think that's that's the main reason why people don't, managers don't come over Some managers like to stay in their comfort zones in, in the UK And whether it's right or wrong, some managers are different and want to try something different So Owen's come over this year, obviously I've been over for now seven, eight years uh, And I love it over here, but it's part, I look at it as part of my education You know, it's an education outside of my comfort zone in the UK I know what the UK's about uh, and I got to learn something different, which is which is always nice. Being a player in the league, did that kind of help you make the transition and also being the assistant coach before going into the Yeah, it coach? did, without a doubt. And uh, understanding the rules was part of that. While I was a player, I was always trying, asking questions, learning. Hans Backer was a massive influence in in me, taking taking this job as well as stepping up from being a player to a player coach to an assistant coach to a head coach. And I still speak to Hans now. Um, so it, it was vital in, in part in my education of me going through the process of that development. It feels that like managers here get more
1: time than if yeah. you're in the Premiership or the Championship, yeah. as he saw when, when he was with Bolton. Do you feel you get more time over here to build the club the way you want? To? I know you have here, but like yeah. just in general, Major League
4: Soccer. Um, it's a question a lot of people ask me, and it depends about it depends if you win and you're successful because. You know if, you, if you're losing every game of football for a year or two years it's highly unlikely that you're gonna have time to build a football club and um, in England it, it really is cutthroat you know the average age for man average length of a manager is 30 odd months or 14 months we know that because the amount of money that is in the system at the moment and the to reach the promised land of the Premier League is ridiculous and clubs go out on you know their heads to try and commit to that and spend money in the event of doing it and if it doesn't work out then you know it's easy to sometimes change your manager so do they last longer here probably yes they do uh, do i think that's right or wrong well it's just the way it is i think there's a, obviously a number of american managers over here in in mls which is is important as well but they like to give young managers a chance, and that's what I like over here is, I think, 18, 17, 18 managers who are currently in MLS are, are former players. So it's a great breeding ground for young managers to try and play the trade.
1: That's great. Thanks So
4: So Robert there talking about UK
1: managers. What we like to do in this podcast is, is kind of bring you not just... Christmas related stuff, but also some stuff that we've had from the year that we've maybe not used Or just some special interviews that that we gathered just for this podcast That's what I'm going to bring you now You may have seen that a couple of weeks ago Four of the Canadian women's national team players launched a business initiative Christine St Clair, Karina LeBlanc, Diana Matheson And our favourite here at the AFTN podcast, Rianne Wilkinson launched their new business, IS4. You can find them on Twitter, at IS4Tweets. And it's a business that they're doing to empower mainly young girls, but like young people in general, and just to empower kids to chase their dreams and to to go for what they strive for. That's what the IS4 stands for. It's I Strive For. And they just want to... Go and do coaching camps. They want to show kids that you can follow your dreams. If if you want to be a footballer, chase your dream. Putting on camps to help them do that and just teach them some things that they've learned, both on the pitch and off the pitch over the years, to help make people better. People, really. They launched their business a few weeks ago up at Burnaby Lake. John Herdman was there. They announced their first kind of corporate partnership that they had with Canadian Tire put on a camp for a a number of underprivileged children as well and just spoke about what what they were hoping to get from the business. Now the basis of it, as I said, is what you're striving for uh, to to try and achieve in life and they want to help people recognise that they can do that. So I thought Christmas is a time of hope, it's a time of reflection. So I asked all four of the players, what did they strive for when they were a kid? What what was their goal when they were maybe 15 or 16? And now that they're grown up and they've kind of made it in the professional game, what do they strive for now? So we're going to hear from Christine Sinclair, Karina Reblanc, and then finally Diana Matheson. But we're going to kick things off with a player that John Herdman described as reminding him a lot of Margaret Thatcher. So he has no doubt that her and the rest of them are going to be great in business. Not really sure how you take that being described by somebody as being like Margaret Thatcher. That was Rianne Wilkinson. So let's hear first from Rianne Wilkinson and the rest of the players. What do they strive for in life? What do they strive for in the past?
0: I wish it could be Christmas every day Cos I'd get lots of lovely Christmas presents
1: When you were like 15, 16 year old girls, what was the one thing that you strived for? You know,
2: I would say that I wasn't like a natural soccer talent, I was naturally athletic. and. I strove every day to make this national team. This was a dream I had. I put it in my elementary school yearbook that, I, that this is what I wanted to do and, and it didn't come easily. Like I, was, I would say I was never the best on my team growing up but I never stopped working and I was so fortunate to keep improving and improving and for my dream to
1: come true. How does it feel to be described as Margaret Thatcher?
2: <laughs> He's done it for many years and I've gotten over the shock of it, but I know exactly what he means by that and I, I take my role seriously as being uh, being the woman that speaks up when it's hard hard to. Um, and it is tough to do sometimes, but I, I know that that's my role on this team and I try and do it the best I can. Okay, thanks, All right, for right.
1: thanks Good luck with it. When you were like 15, 16, what was the one thing that you would have said you strive for? Oh!
5: Uh, so, like, my life changed in 1999, uh, so I was like 15, uh, and that's when I I went and watched the Women's World Cup in the U.S. in 1999, and in that moment, I knew that this is what I wanted to do, and yeah, so, I mean, I'm kind of unique in the sense I made the national team at 16, so I wanted this to be my career from, yeah, from then on, obviously. But when I was younger, I... I mean, I went to school to become a physical therapist, thinking I was going to do that if soccer didn't work out, but luckily it has.
1: And what, what's the one big thing now that you'd say that you really want to strive for?
5: Uh, obviously with my career not over, I, I'd say to get this team to number one in the world. And uh, yeah, just, thanks. thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks.
1: So when you were like 15, 16, mm-hmm. what would you say was the one thing that you strived for?
5: Well, I got when I was 15, I got cut from the BC team. It was the first team I ever, big team I ever tried out for, and um, I remember being broken and feeling like quite feeling useless and worthless because all my friends made it, but it ended up being the best thing that happened to me because the next year I did 15 minutes more every single day. So I was like, I forced my either before practice or after practice, and I was committed to it. So I, was st- I guess I strove for being consistently believing in myself that if I put in the work, I could do anything. And the next year I tried it for a year old, I didn't even try it for my age group and I made the older team. And then months later I called called the national team. So I say when I was 15, I strived, uh, to be honest, I was striving to be relevant.
1: And, like, now, obviously you're doing this and you just got married, but what would you say drives you now? What's the one thing To live my life? purpose.
5: To live my purpose. Uh, that's Every day I wake up and I'm like, today I'm going to be the best version of myself and I'm going to live my purpose on this earth. And, like, as John would continue to remind me when I was with him, he'd be like, why are you here on this earth? And he challenged me. And it wasn't just about soccer. It was about, like, why are you here? And he, I think that, that challenge made me really dig deep and figure it out. Great, thank you so much. Thank you. Good luck with it.
1: Diana, can I just ask you this, same question, and i asked ask the rest of them. When you were yeah. 15, 16, what was the one big thing that you were striving for?
2: Ooh, when I was 15 or 16? Good question. Um, I don't know if I was... I knew if I was striving for anything at that point. I think I was just playing sport and enjoying it. Uh, I think it wasn't until later when I... Kind of made the national team and I got to meet some of the older players and was really inspired by them that I think I I started to strive towards more in terms of a soccer player and a leader and a a role model in Canada. Uh, So hopefully, I mean, hopefully there's a lot more visible women role models these days that, you know, the 15, 16-year-old girls are striving for bigger things earlier than I was.
1: where you are in your life just now? What would you say is the one thing that you're striving for right now?
2: Right now? Oh, just one thing?
1: Yeah. You could
2: pick more. <laughs> oh. uh, I, I mean, right now with IS4, we wanna impact more people. We wanna make this bigger. We wanna, we wanna spread our message. So I'm, I'm striving for, you know, getting, getting what we do and what we believe in out there. That's
1: great. Thank you so much. Good Thank up. you. Kind of Thanks for coming. Hello, everybody, it's Santa here to say to you all, have fun!
6: Nuts and nuts and jolly fun!
1: So, thanks to Ryan Wilkinson, Christine Sinclair, Karina LeBlanc, and Diana Matheson there, talking about what it is that they strive for. As mentioned, their business was launched a couple of weeks ago. Their aim is to empower business leaders and youth from coast to coast. You can find out more about what they're looking to do and what they've done so far on their website is4.ca and also follow them on Twitter at is4tweets. So good luck to all four of them in their business and continuing, well three of them at least, continuing to play for the Canadian Women's National Team on the pitch. So I think it's time for a little bit more in music now just before we wrap up. And as regular listeners will know, we're massive fans of the late, great Frank Sidebottom here. And Christmas in particular is a great time to dig out Frank's stuff. He had his Christmas album, which was we've kind of featured little snippets off here and there. So let's play a full track now. This is Frank Sidebottom's Christmas Medley. Oh, let's
0: all sing the Christmas medley. Switch on the hi-fi. Switch on the TV. Let's all sing the Christmas medley. See the spaceship in the sky
1: late great frank side bottom there Christmas is not Christmas without a little bit of frank and a little bit of little frank and that is it now for our 2016 Christmas special thanks for joining us at this festive time whether you've listened to this on Christmas Eve Christmas Day, Boxing Day or some other time between the Christmas period we hope you had a wonderful Christmas Santa was good to you you got all the stuff that you were looking for and hopefully lots of football related gifts as well We'll be back soon, in fact in a week we're going to have a New Year's Day episode of the podcast Where we're going to be having a roundtable discussion Looking at the season past and just what may be to come in the future We decided, after the season that we had, not to do our annual month by month thing that we do Over three episodes, it's just too depressing So just a, a one episode look back at the year Joined by Steve, Zach and Jay for that again Just before we go, it's going to be time for our special announcement. It's something we've talked about that is going to be coming for a while. We've not been able to announce it because we're still kind of sorting out all the the fine points of it. We just want to let everybody know that the podcast is going to be changing a little. You'll still be able to get it on iTunes. It's still going to be delivered to all your devices if you subscribe. It's going to continue as is in that regard. But we're actually taking the podcast onto the airwaves. AFTN is coming to the radio. After four years of doing the podcast, we thought we'd kind of just shake things up a little bit. The AFTN Soccer Show is going to be coming to the radio in 2017. CITR Radio to be exact. 101.9 FM if you're in the Vancouver and Lower Mainland area. Broadcasting out of UBC... It's also available live online and you'll be able to download our podcast as normal on iTunes and you'll also be able to download it on the CITR website. We're going to be bringing you a weekly soccer show, all Whitecaps related, with a little bit of other local soccer and Canadian soccer news thrown in as well. We're going to be on on Sunday nights from 11pm till midnight. Most of the shows are going to be live, we're going to maybe pre-record some of them. Still kind of... Working out exactly when we're going to start this off, with it being the off-season and the quiet time, with me heading over to the UK to, to follow the Whitecaps over in Wales, and then heading down to Portland as well. But we're, we're kind of just sorting out just what we want to do and when we want to do it. Provisionally, we're going to kind of start probably the middle of January. but check Twitter, but we'll keep you kind of posted on that. Hopefully you can join us every Sunday night listening to that. We hope to have a phone-in element on the show as well And just a a few different surprises Bringing some football music, which we've wanted to do for a while And just adding a new co-host as well Zach is going to join us as a regular co-host So it's going to be Zach, Steve and myself We hope to have the three of us for most shows Some shows it might just be two of us, depending on other commitments But watch for that in the new year Thanks to all your support You guys listening and reading AFTN that helped make this happen, we're really pleased to to have the collaboration with CITR Radio. It's a great local community radio station. It's tied in with Discord or Magazine here. It's just great for us to be a part of, and we we just hope you continue to to listen to AFTN. And on that note, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTNCanada. Read all our stuff online, away from the numbers, aftn.ca. Most the Whitecaps beat reporter for mlssoccer.com and goal.com, so check out my stuff in that as well. As we said, we'll be back next week with the New Year's special. Until then, thanks for listening, take care, and we're going to leave you with a final Christmas tune. This from a, a good friend of mine, Danny Holland. Long-time mate back in Scotland. Here's a little Christmas ditty that he penned a number of years ago. We just thought we'd end the show with it. This is Danny Holland and a song called Christmas Time. Have a great festive period and we'll catch you in 2017. And as always, on the caps and Merry Christmas to you and yours. Rollin'. Rollin', rollin', Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
6: Oh, I'm a jolly fellow with a big bag, big bag filled up with goodies, so if you're all good And disappeared to bed in five minutes' time We'll give Santa Claus a call We'll tell him you've been on your best behaviour We'll tell him every single colour and flavour Of every cuddle, kiss, hug, it's great this time I <laughs>